0: Hey everyone, we are The Three Princes and we go around looking for things to penetrate deeply. Intellectual.
1: (laughs) Uh, Welcome to our show. It's going to be one of those days. So, uh, Meera, we're doing this again.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. I should say Sunday the same,
1: on a Sunday morning this is uh, a glass of rum and mm. conversation with Ralston is, is probably a good Sunday morning. Yeah, it's yeah. a very good Sunday morning. Yeah. So Ralston
0: was here I think about two months two 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 and a half months ago. Yeah sometime,
1: Yeah, yeah The yeah, last uh,
0: decade. Um, and we had a long conversation about politics and how branding is employed in politics. What do you think about what has happened? What is your view about uh, the campaigns that were run and the the, the the outcome of the... I, I don't have like a
2: clear uh, analysis of it I and mean, everyone knows what has happened. But I think, I think more than the surface level thing of who won and who has not won, I think there are some larger trends that are emerging that we will probably see taking shape going forward. Like I think party politics in Sri Lanka is over as we know it. Hmm. Uh, basically, uh, because uh, I think what is emerging is very clearly the loyalty towards one party one or even one in, individual. Man, individual. individual yeah, 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 is now fading, and people are saying, you know what, if this person is good, then we'll take that person from this party, and if someone else is good from another party, then we'll like to have that person as well. Yeah, right. So people are, I think, I think the bigwigs have sort of understood the dynamics of party politics. Being, because party politics essentially is what dictates the system at the end of the day in any country. Yeah. So uh, once you get over that hurdle, uh, it opens up a whole new game. And I think, to be honest, I think that, that the, the sort of precursor to that was what happened in 2015 when two... Opposing parties came together and said, "You know what? We can work something out." Like, yeah, yeah. And that was a big step um, towards breaking that whole hurdle and opening out a whole new sort of thing. So I think, the, uh, I think that's what I am sort of seeing as the more interesting thing. So you don't out. think
0: that this is a very temporary thing and this will just fizzle away after? It could.
2: It could like all like all things that are said to be a big trend. But what it what it does, what it opens out. And how it sort of breaks down uh, our mental sort of barriers as to either you've got to be in this party or this party or this. I mean if if two of Sri Lanka's oldest political parties can be decimated in five years, yes, yes
0: correct. right, then you know that anything is possible. Yeah. The, the lines have all amongst the people and the general populace, the lines have gotten blurred. I mean it's a, it's a it's a fantastic branding problem as well, right? right. It's, a, it's an amazing branding problem. So you have a, a third player. So you have had an oligopoly all this time with two major players and hundreds of small players. Mm. Uh, and there's a third big player that has emerged within the space of five years, simply offering something uh, a little bit more uh, interesting and delivering something that has not been delivered before. There were very specific... Things associated with say Mahindra Rajapaksa, that says like okay, finish the war, yeah, something got done, yeah, versus seventy years of not doing anything, yeah, uh, doing very little, yeah. Uh, it's it's the kind of thing that was associated, say, uh, Prevadasa in the uh, in the eighties and nineties and uh, Mahaveli prior to that and all that. So there there's something very specifically done, and now people are saying okay, fine, that. Offer that has been made is good enough for me. Now my loyalty, my brand, my loyalty to that environment has is going to get fizzled because there is something better on the side. So I'm just moving in that. Hmm. I, yes, al- I think, but I also, uh, I also
1: think what's uh, happened at a, a slightly more abstract level hmm. is that uh, over the 70 years that Sri Lankan politics have gone on, we we created an archetype of what a Sri Lankan politician is. Hmm. Hmm. And now we have a, a really? closer to home archetype of what a, a leader should be.
0: What are we closer to home as a bit Closer
1: to home as in the, the traditional archetype of what the, the you know, like Carl Jung's uh, set of like 16 archetypes. Mm-hmm. One of them is the, the king, the ruler. Mm. We have something that's a little bit close to that. And I think that outshadows the idea of a Sri Lankan politician.
0: Okay.
2: But I, but I. So I think there are there are two things to be conscious of. One is the fact that it's not an individual necessarily that has won or an individual brand that has necessarily won, but also there's a global shift in, in thinking, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, liberalism has not given, provided answers to some of people's most critical problems like economical problems. It's, Correct. That's failed to provide answers because... Uh, liberal movement has been a nice thing for the privileged people to sort of talk yeah. about yeah. and believe and have. But um, it did not provide answers to the masses or to the impoverished as to how they are going to sort out of their economic. So, right. so, so, therefore, I think the rise of populism is not just a political tool. It came out of necessity. Take a bunch of people in a country which where you have been allowing immigrants to come into your country for a long time. Yeah. Embra- taking your jobs taking whatever sharing your same or at least uh, there, that's, that's,
0: that's, a, that's the story that has been sold that's a story yeah. but
2: also look at it from the people's point of view right and they and, and they see okay right what now
0: so we are sharing everything with these
2: outsiders which is something Sri Lankans don't do right even mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. I mean we are I know Sri Lankans who are living abroad talking about how our jobs are being encroached by Indians and Chinese <laughs> <and>, etc <cetera. laughs> they're complaining from Japan and Korea and the Middle yeah, East yeah, etc and then they go back to those countries So, those people have started saying, look, they have been starting to demand their governments and say, look, you better sort sort us out first. Yeah. Right. So, then immediate thing in a time like this is protectionism comes into play. Right. Let's protect the local industry, which has happened in Sri Lanka also before. Yeah. So, I think uh, where, where liberalism has failed to give any answers, populism is the only one that is offering any alternative if at all. Yeah, yeah, right at the at the very
0: basic level uh, what I've realized is that democracy I mean democracy essentially is populism yeah. in mm. realistic terms yeah. it is populism and 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 how like for example the the breaking down of the European Union was categorized as that the that the union itself is incapable of answering the cohorts or the smaller niche mm. uh, requirements of each of these communities mm. because it's it sits at too much of a high level so then you move to a national level and so on and so yeah. forth either way I, I i am i am actually i mean at least for sri lanka i'm fairly excited about the prospects going forward uh, there is a lot of anxiety about and it's fair anxiety as well about freedoms getting encroached and all that. Yeah. and uh, I don't know. Let's see how it pans out. But yeah, I, but I think it's a mistake excited.
2: to think uh, both politically and from a social point of view, it's mistake to think that we have gone back to the pre-2015 era. Right? I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. Right? The, and and um, the, I think where a lot of people are missing and I'm going back to the earlier point we made about the brand, yeah. right? Where two parties have got decimated and a new, completely new brand has emerged. Yeah. But I think it's a mistake to think that that's the new brand. I think mm. within that new brand, yeah, there is a new a, brand, yeah, which will not, which will basically kill the sort of womb from which it, it was born, right. I have and a completely uh, sort of change it. And I think that brand or the ambition of that brand is what will definitely define how it sets itself out in yeah. the in the typical uh, sort of dynasty politics era. Uh, all branding was about a family. And, and that is not new to Sri Lanka. We've, yeah. we've seen it before. Yeah. It's, it's fairly relevant in this region. Prevalent in this region. So when you want to just make sure that your family lasts for a long time, mm. the way you go about it is very different. Versus mm. someone who says, you know what, probably I don't have that ambition. I don't have that same burden. Mm. I'm I just see myself as someone who has to come and make a mark. As probably the person who is best placed to and with the least amount of baggage. And the person who owes the least amount of favors to other people. Mm. Correct. Right. Mm. To sustain a long political career. Because to sustain a long political career, you have have to owe others' favors. Correct. So you have very little people to repay. Right. Mm. Which puts you in a beautiful position. Mm. And uh, you can change a system. Better for worse are all all different concepts later. But you can make a marked sort of impact Mm. on the system itself. Which is why I think if you look even at some of the, uh, for example, the way that person is branding himself very differently from the rest of the family. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 Right. That's beautiful. That's
0: that's very specific. No it's the very specific no, no, Sartake,
1: mean, no yeah, yeah. No
0: uh, Sarong and uh, no, no no national yeah. the Thai and yeah, the, I think the, Thai. much
1: more international approach to really.
0: it. Yeah. yeah, I don't know
1: what it is. I don't yeah, know, what
2: it, brand brand. I don't yeah. know yeah. what it is, but but definitely there is an intention there yeah. to to, to stand clear. out. So that's why I said uh, a lot of new dynamics have emerged, which probably we will only be conscious of, maybe five mm-hmm. ten years down the line. We will, we will only see the results see of it about five ten years. ten years down the line. And politically, I think the biggest shift that has happened, which which could could be very tricky, is that the it's no longer um, uh, the minorities who decide the who rules the majority.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that for me is the mark political shift and. Uh, that is something where if you look at uh, the track record of, of certain people wherever someone has said something can't be done that person has gone out and proven that it can, it can be it. done yeah so that sort of ambition to break paradigms and say it can't be you know it can be done yeah now I've done it now here mm. right that is' I think uh, a big shift and therefore uh, well, Politically, if you look at it, minorities might feel, okay, where does that put us? The majority might feel a bit elated. But I think no one should be too happy in this equation. Because because I don't think it's necessarily race or racial bias that will drive the next decade. I feel that there will be uh, uh, the demographics and the sort of uh, composition of the sort of map will change quite a bit. Yeah. Um, that will be definite. But that is a that is a that is I think the yeah. under underlying agenda, which has been sort of without putting it into so much words, the people have sanctioned. Mm. Yeah, correct. Basically.
0: And I have feeling in the in the next decade, you, so you're so you right. The map will change significantly because the map will be there will be forced change in the map because there will be disproportionate. Say for example, disproportionate investment going into the north, disproportionate investment mm. going into the east. Yeah. Uh, they will you they like the the, the powers that be the current uh, parties will do it in order to secure the voter base for a later time in one way yeah. the other way it's a great it's a it's a it's a great paradigm breaker for the 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 the, 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 the current government no yeah. it says we are not a racial. Com- uh, we are not a racial comment. We we can be as giving and sensible towards everyone else as uh, the, the southern part of the country. Mm. But I think I think it will go even
2: even beyond. I, again, like I said, I don't think it's necessarily about who the individuals are right now and what they will do. Mm. Uh, but if you look at India, for example, like the people who are coming into power today, that's where populism as we call it is slightly more dangerous than having a liberal uh, this thing is their ambitions go beyond the the traditional leadership right like yeah. india they in india right now wants to completely like make history they yeah. they feel that they are they are yeah. figures who have to rewrite history right? Yeah. if you look at the chinese premier if you look at the indian premier mm. these are all guys who see themselves as playing a big part in, of changing, history, in changing history and rewriting yeah, yeah, yeah. history yeah, yeah. therefore we have to like redraw the silk or bring back the silk yeah. or, you know there, so there's so, a lot of
1: personal sort of ego also yeah. driving there's an interesting point about china they consider the last century uh, a century of humiliation right yeah. it's it's a hundred years of humiliation yes. Yeah. Yes. from the
0: opium wars and yeah, yeah, yeah yeah yeah
2: so sometimes what can happen with that is then you will not you that might even and the ambition might drive that, you to yeah, do the things that are much greater mm-hmm. yeah then greater than. And I feel my, my and politically at least I feel what the best way to diffuse. Uh, see it's about redistributing economic opportunity, which mm-hmm. I think, which is where the grouse began because people could feel that the minorities enjoy greater economic opportunity than the majority, mm-hmm. right? Due to various reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, those reasons could be historical, whatever. So the best way to do that, I think Sri Lanka will not have any uh, sort of land areas which are populated by a particular minority. Yeah. You will see much more mixed, Mm. diffused, evenly distributed. There will be some diffusion.
0: I mean, it won't be completely gone in the next 10 years, but there will be still, they'll start. Yeah, because
2: you will also see that uh, in some of those areas, which are now, for example, predominantly Tamil, if you rewind 50, 40, 60 years ago, they were not predominantly Mm. Tamil. Some Mm. of those areas, Mm. which surprising even, if you, if you sort of race, trace back, they were not predominant. So how they came to be was because of the whole lot mm. of mm. expulsion. happened. I mean, for example, the the Muslims were asked to leave the north in a day mm. by the L T D. So those things made that a predominantly Tamil area. But prior to that, it was not. Right. It was a. If you look at most of the trading ports like Trinco, Gaul, etc., they are always mixed, right? Because yeah. of people of trading, yeah, everyone trading who trades, has, comes everyone, that everyone that trades, they come together. Yeah. So anyway, I think, but I think there are some larger things which are. Yet to emerge, so we must mm-hmm. not be too quick to be sort of optimistic make, about
0: it or no, no, or to draw
2: conclusions from Okay, yeah. but yeah. if you so observe the trends and it. if you just try to see, then it'll sort of you will probably.
0: My my is there's been a stone thrown in there, the ripples are happening, and let's mm-hmm. see where, where, the, where things settle.
2: Yeah, and yeah. you can't look at it in isolation, it's an in international thing, yeah, times are
0: changing. Okay, anyway, uh, so the the one reason that we wanted you here, Machang, is that uh, last time you were talking about uh, branding and brand management and your your you teach brand identity. Branding uh, and identity. Branding also. and identity. <clears throat> uh and and you teach it to uh, largely like visual visual communication and graphic design students. students, students. Yeah. Uh and you or are a copywriter. Yeah. strange <laughs> but uh, no so what we want to do is we want to just explore the idea uh, the the the, 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 uh, the the world of branding and uh, identity design mm. and how how you teach it and what is your approach to it and what do you teach, uh, teach your yeah. kids. so again
2: I can't possibly be teaching visual identity Because I'm, like you said, I'm not a designer, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a trained branding sort of visual design of sorts in any way. So where I try to uh, focus on is opening up the minds of students to the larger world of branding that goes beyond visual
1: identity,
2: Mm right? And I think visual identity is an important part of branding, but... um, consciously or subconsciously there are lots of other things that go on in the world of branding which don't get captured in visualizing so a lot of the students today a lot of the portfolios you see when you see branding Mm. it's the same sort of template where you see the business card and the logo and uh, the letterhead and the envelope and and, stuff like that which is which is all fine and very important but the danger with that is it's a very logo centric and visual centric approach to branding Mm. Mm. So what I try to do is I try to steer away because anyway my students are taught that in their relevant graphic design whatever courses. Here what I try to focus on is um, branding that goes beyond that. So you guys uh, will probably know this. Meera will also know this. That visual identity is only one aspect of branding. Mm. Yeah. There is then you could argue okay what are the other aspects? There is experience etc. etc. Yeah. yeah. But if you go back to the very need for branding or what, why branding is there, mm. right, uh, from what, the, I know it went back, If say for example, go back to the early age where wine was made mm. and wine would sort of come in these wooden crates, mm. right. So branding essentially was a seal that said this comes from this mm. estate or this vineyard. Mm. Yeah. That was branding. Yeah.
0: We that found out the terminology of brand management. Branding, no? Yeah, on a cow. Yeah, yeah. cow. Is, it was a
2: physical act of branding yeah. something so that the person who receives it knows where then it's coming from. Like anyone, not even just the person who receives it. Anyone. anyone yes. understands yeah. that so, it's from. And then if I trust that place, if I had, but even for that to work, in my mind there has to be a certain amount of trust and credibility built, built towards that particular it. province mm. or that country mm. because... Okay, if it's coming from, say, France, mm. for example, New, then yeah. I'm more likely to sort of say, okay, maybe that is a better wine just because it's coming from there, yeah. right? Favorable memory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, it's a bit like also... It's Country a bit, of
1: origin
0: is mm. uh,
2: like Country German engineering.
1: Right? Yeah, exactly,
2: yeah. right? So, if you... So, coming from that... Uh, so, visual branding, like I said, is one. Then there is this concept called smashing the brand, mm. right? Uh, which... Um, Uh, someone, I I forget the guy's name, he sort of introduced this concept of smashing the brand, um, where he said, a good brand, you should be able to smash, and even without the logo being there, would people still be able to recognize recognize your brand? Mm -hmm. Would that familiarity still exist, Mm. if the logo and the color, so which aspects of your brand basically build that familiarity?
1: Mm -hmm. It's
2: all about being familiar, right? So if you're dependent too much on your logo and your brand colors and uh, the right uh, sort of, you know, application of that brand color to trigger the memory of your brand, then probably your brand is not in uh, a smashable brand sort of space. Mm. So he looked at all the big brands and said all the great brands are smashable. Mm -hmm. So this smashing the brand story comes from uh, this very uh, sort of simple story of how in the 1920s, Mm. A guy who was working in a glass bottle manufacturing factory hmm. was given a brief hmm. to come up with a bottle that had to do two things. One is that if that bottle like smashed on the ground into and shattered into a thousand pieces, people should still be able to recognize mm-hmm. it by picking up one of the piece, right. pieces. Second thing is that it had to be still recognizable in the dark like hmm. when you can't see it.
1: Okay. So right. tact- tactile. tactile. Okay.
2: So, then this guy went into um, sort of concepts and all that. And he got inspired by the the cocoa bean. Hmm. Because he said the cocoa bean is not flat. Hmm. It has sort of these sort of contours and hmm. ridges. And basically, that was the inspiration for the Coca-Cola
0: bottle. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So, that's the story. I have never Coke heard that story. Bottle. I'm, I'm there's, I'm a, there's a great book on, uh, it's, it's a, the book is about Pepsi actually. Hmm. Right. It's, it's how Pepsi, uh, the other guy blinked. Uh, right. it's, a, it's a fantastic book about, but it, it has a long story about how Coca-Cola came to be as well, but I've never heard this So story. this is the story of the glass bottle. Mm-hmm. The because bottle they itself. used to
1: have like a cylindrical bottle, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. like a
2: Flat s- cylinder. Yeah. So, but, I mean, a there's one heck of a brief to get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fantastic fantastic right. brief to get. The brief yeah. is yeah, brilliant. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that basically that Coke bottle has sort of evolved over time, got slimmer, etc. But they have not got rid of the contours and they leads to sort of cook's contourization strategy in where the they, ribbon, the ribbon everything sort of flows from that whole contourization mm. strategy so the learning there for me in the story is that a lot of the things that we see mm. uh, are not there by accident they are very deliberately done by Correct. The big mm. and the, I think the other big culprit uh, is Apple uh, mm. I've seen a documentary called uh, the secrets of the super brands I think which is Great watch for anyone who wants to understand brands. It's a BBC uh, Channel 4 documentary called The Secrets of the Super Brands. uh, The Secrets of the the Super Brands. So where they try to understand how the super brands work. Mm. And um, very shortly about Apple, they have this one particular uh, incident where they take a a crazy, massive Apple fan Mm. and then they uh, take that person to like a a neurologist. Mm and they study that person's brain reactions to the apple brand right right mm. so the person is like in one of those mri sort of mm. machines mm. and then the images are flashed mm. in front of his eyes and his brain reactions are captured it okay, must light so up the chemical like an chemical reactions, reactions yeah so the chemical reactions to being shown images of apple are very similar to how the human brain reacts to religious symbols <laughs> right okay right mm. so then this guy sort of goes into trying and understand how did apple do that so the cult of apple mm. right if you take from the story to how the world was in peril and then r- rises this uh, messiah of sorts in the form of uh, Steve Jobs who comes yeah. and saves the world from ugly-looking computers <laughs> with you no know, greatly designed stuff, and then he is banished from his own company, and yeah. then he comes makes a second coming, yeah. right? So they sort of oh. draw parallels. is yes. just a parallel, right? And it's a, it's a priest who sort of draws that parallel. But more more importantly than that, they look at Apple's architecture like if you if you look at some of the big apple stores and they liken that to the architecture of churches mm. very high ceilings mm. products placed almost like on an altar a lot of white mm. uh, how people purity yeah, yeah. and how, how people i think subconsciously sort of start speaking quietly when they go into an apple store <laughs> mm. right the echo the way the light comes into yeah. the building and the staircase. The staircase. The mm-hmm. Most of that has a lot of elements of how churches and religious places work. And then it also captures how the apple store openings work. Mm-hmm. Where people travel from all over the, mm-hmm. across, Coming, halfway across yeah. the world yeah. to sit outside and then to, and then sort of they come and sort of galvanize almost. It's a very evangelical sort of approach yeah. to, you know, the store opening and you want to be the first to go in. So. For me, what I've always found interesting about Apple, which is also true of uh, people who support political parties today, is a person who buys an iPhone, right, who spends a significant amount of money buying an iPhone, sort of is the one who defends the product. Apple never comes and defends the iPhone. It's the person who buys it that puts up the defense on behalf of Apple. right? Just like how certain people who vote for a political party, yeah. will come out to defend mm. your yeah. actions versus the political party itself coming and defending the yeah. actions. So I think there that means you've got <laughs> a strong brand where other people have started sort of believing in you so much. Mm. And because you are also now a part of the narrative of Apple, you have to justify it both to yourself and to outside as to why am I There's, a, there's
1: a cognitive bias around that it's uh, the, the things that you own appear more important than the things that you want to
2: own. Yeah. But it's amazing for me that uh, these brands or the big brands can sort of build themselves to such an extent where where the stakeholders themselves sort of are so entrenched. It's like people in a religious argument. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You will never see the big churches getting into religious arguments but you will never see the the the, the pope and uh, some and other <laughs> guy getting into religious idea. Yeah, yeah. It's people like us, buggers who are sitting around these tables <laughs> and bars, you know, who are fighting politics, yeah. right? On right. So so that that was a story of like the brand. So uh, so, so we,
0: let me let me just give an axiomatic so the, the idea of this defensing defending the the uh defending the brand that you buy, which is again like very commonly because we say uh if you uh, the the, the uh, if you know a brand. You will buy it. Mm. If you buy a brand, you'll will, you'll will know it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this cyclic, this axiomatic cycle about branding is like it's it's one of the most fundamental understanding about uh, marketing. And you're right. Everyone because your purchase is trying to you, you are you want to validate your purchase at any yeah. given turn, right? Yeah.
2: So I think so. The, so anyway, the, the, the larger point I was trying to make is how so. All those things that are beyond a logo, those those things probably were not even suggested by a branding agency or a branding no, consultant. Yeah, yeah. right? That's why I'm saying there is conscious branding and then there is unconscious branding, mm. right? A lot of the big brands, uh, it'll be interesting to find out how much of it is deliberately done. I think a lot of it is very deliberately done. Yeah. Nothing is there just purely because of an accident. So, or like aesthetic. For yeah, example. or aesthetic. Yeah. For, so, yeah, uh, But it's there and it it does a particular job. Mm. Now I remember uh, someone telling me, a a marketer who used to work at Dialog, a really great marketing guy. Um, He said, like, if you walk into a McDonald's, every person who has walked into a McDonald's would have seen at some point or at every visit, uh, sort of guy there with a mop who is constantly cleaning the, yeah. Yeah, hmm. the floor. Yeah. Hmm. How that is part of subliminal branding to say the place is hygienic and clean. Yeah. Now that's not the reason I would buy it. yeah, yeah. But, but somewhere it, in it, my subconscious mind yeah. is there. The, the foot may be bad for you <laughs> but the place is clean <laughs> and yeah. hygienic. Yeah. Right?
1: So it, it helps you get to the decision threshold
2: a little bit faster. Maybe, maybe that. But, but it's definitely there. So that also is a definite part of the branding. So guy, so you think When you think of McDonald's branding, we think of the golden arches Mm. and um, the red and yellow, uh, which are also very, very, very important parts of the branding. It's all about building that familiarity, but there are then those other things. So, smashing the brand identifies 12 areas, Mm. which 12 components rather, which make up a smashable brand. Mm. So, one is uh, image, the the visual pictures that you have consistently shown over a period of time. Mm. The types Mm. of imagery that you've shown, right? That's where your type of photography, the type of colors, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. that you've seen, you would have always seen a sort of consistency in that. Mm. Um, then there is color. Mm. Then, there is, then there are sort of obscure areas like shape. Mm. The importance of shape because human minds perceive and can recognize things by shape, shape. yeah, right. You could see a silhouette of Michael Jackson and still recognize it. Yeah, mm. yeah. correct. Right? Yeah. So it, things that basically build familiarity, so mm. brands like say, for example, Absolute mm. have mm. absolutely sorry, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sort of uh, focused yeah. on the shape, shape of, of the, the bottle, bottle. Yeah. and that mm. it, it stretches right down to that guideline, mm. even into how a lot of other ads uh, that they do, conceptual ads, use the shape of the bottle mm.
1: very consciously sort of to drive the message. So yeah. shape. Uh, another thing McDonald's does that I it just clicked to me that they're probably doing this on purpose. Mm. is They have a, a random wall inside every single restaurant that has uh, emotive words around food. Like succulent, okay. tasty. There's right. always a random wall that has this, like, it's just plastic. It doesn't make sense if you read it. <laughs> but it's just there. But it does. Yeah. <laughs> it does. yeah. So then shape.
2: So, either, so shape is shape of your product. Mm. Right. Then comes, of course, the multi-sensory experience. So, smell. Mm-hmm. Smell is a great, great, great um, sort of way of triggering memories. Mm. Right. I could, if I want to, I can like, I can now recall what like Bangkok smells like. Yeah. yeah. That sort of, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So, that, so, that's it a very important like thing. So, a lot of brands have invested. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then, so, how much of your brand is? and you might think, okay, if I'm not in, uh, the, if I'm not in the fragrance business, then how do I... Sort of communicate smell. But then if you look at people, right, people have smells. Correct. Places have smells Correct. for us. Yeah. So anything can have uh, a particular smell. I mean, when you walk into a, a Kiel's versus a Cargill's
1: versus an Abico, you yeah, will yeah. have a.
0: Then, but it's then. not common though. That's the problem. So that, I mean, it's an opportunity missed. Like, for example, a supermarket. Yeah. Yeah, I like, find it that it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great opportunity that is consistently missed. Mm-hmm. The yeah. fragrance right. based.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, there was a study done on the effects of the lavender aroma on how consumers spend their time inside locations. For okay. restaurants, they actually end up spending more time and more money if the restaurant smells like lavender than they would if it smells like peppermint.
0: Oh, okay, oh, you mean like those are say those? Let's see, those are deeper psychological this thing yeah. on a branding perspective, perspective, so long as it's common across. Multiple experiences yeah. So you consistency were, right. comes across, yeah, right? Yeah. So
1: wherever you are you so come to that
2: relaxed state out of familiarity mm. over time, I suppose. Yeah correct yeah. so you will immediately walk in and say, Ah okay, this is familiar. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, right. So so that that, that aspect of there is fragrance. Then there is sound,
0: right? Mm.
2: So uh, sonic branding or audio branding wonder is, why like is
0: a, Wonder why we that's why we go into bars Remember in bar, when you walk into bars, there's there's the the deep cigarettes fried, body, yeah. <laughs> deep fried alcoholic, <laughs> very familiar,
2: yeah. but just be the cheap prices. I believe. <laughs> But, um, so sound, sound, sound as a great trigger. Netflix, of the
1: as soon as the end and the dream comes yeah. in. You so even, right?
2: so you all on all our sort of smartphones and laptops and uh, whatever. There are branding agencies that spend a lot of time and effort developing those tiny notification sounds. Yeah. Mm. Um, the tones, the no-bearing no-bearing no caring tone. The no caring tone. Not just music, yeah. but even the startup sound on a Mac mm. has Project a particular of sort, of sort of feel to yeah. it versus yeah. a, you know, um, there, there is a video on, on YouTube about how sonic branding um, professionals dissect sounds of brands. Mm. And they say, for example, if an error message has that sense of eh, like you hit a wall like right? a buzzer goes like up. you don't like like you you done something wrong you don't proceed further from this mm. so there are things that sound can communicate mm. again which uh, big or the a lot of the big brands have sort of consciously embraced then there are rituals around brands right there's mm. a way uh, a, someone consumes a particular product like if it's if it's a, 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 a mari you sort of dip it into the tea and mm. that's now there are sometimes the ritual might be um, might be something that consumers come up, with. Mm, mm. like you product product out uh, product out there, and people then come up with the way to have it. Yeah, mm. yeah. But in certain cases, brands have consciously embraced. Now, for example, if you look at KFC, mm. right? Something as generic as finger licking, mm. mm. and Was immediately it? you think of KFC, right? yeah, yeah. Correct. You don't think of finger licking; you think of KFC. Yeah. Mm. Or if I say, uh, have a break, mm. you yeah. immediately think of KFC, but. No, I think like of the last time. I said, have a Kit Kat yeah. Now, now try to figure this out. I always ask my students and myself, when was the last time you saw or heard a Kit Kat commercial in Sri Lanka? Probably never. No. 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 right? But somehow that brand got into your head.
0: It it is on the packaging though, right? Yes. But yeah. how many times did you consciously look for so it? So the, right? the, the the that that entire ritual of ripping the thing open. That and is the, the break. The noise, yeah, yeah, yeah. the crack. Yeah. The crackle of that the was really
1: marketed, no? Yeah. I
0: remember that. And that
2: is the break. Yeah. That's why they can own the break. Mm-hmm. Right. Somebody else, mm-hmm. where the, cho- the the biscuit is not necessarily yeah. like broken, can't yeah. probably own the break. Yeah, it's it's an instruction manual as well. As 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 well as have, have a break, have yeah. a kick <laughs> <ticket>, right? <laughs> yeah. So so similarly, how so how do brands own things as generic as taking a break? Mm. Like I mean, like or as as commonplace as licking your fingers. As well. mm-hmm. So, in the KFC example, what I think is apart from the chicken and whether you like KFC and all that, the fact that it gives you a license to lick your fingers is mm-hmm. almost like subconsciously allowing you to be a child again. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because most food places, we are taught that finger licking is a childish thing, it's not very nice, but people think, etc.
1: Yeah.
2: And as adults, suddenly they say, you know what, finger licking good, go ahead, like knock yourself <laughs> out. And you're completely put at ease by that. Yeah. So there's a certain social license.
0: There is is this uh, thought process that I have been dabbling with for the last like three four months. Where, see this, uh, if you have inherent so branding is much easier when you have inherent behaviors. And you can pick up those inherent behaviors. Like for example, uh, finger licking, licking your finger after a meal and any way KFC cannot be eaten with forks and spoons, right? Yeah. Yeah definitely not with forks and spoons those burgers give uh, like the plastic. <laughs> yeah. so the the idea of finger licking is an existing behavior and if you can brand something the probability of that becoming uh bigger is far greater than you telling people okay this is the kind of behavior that you should have which is mm. not which is not a common behavior. Mm. Do you specifically you have to say create behavior? you have to create. You have to create yeah. like very. It's a large. large behavior, yeah. I mean, mm. which is very very difficult to do. Yeah. yeah. So one part of that is in branding. It's a it's a that's a great example. King is a fantastic example. The crack of a Kit Kat. Kit Kat. Yeah. Like even today, when you get a Kit Kat. You take the wrapper off and you break it in full. Yeah. Yeah. Then and you eat the... Not you don't just break that. it in and, half. And it's not to share, right? <laughs> not, you don't share
1: KitKat. It's, it's it's not just that as well. If you eat it like an... Like if you just take a bite out of a KitKat without breaking it, the internet goes mad and calls you an animal. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like okay, I, I didn't know that. But, <laughs> I I mean,
2: but yeah. So the thing is, I think you can take an existing behavior and try to own it. Mm. You can condone it also. I think in the in KFC's case, like I said, if there is a certain behavior uh, which society is against, and that's why I think dirt is good also comes in. That yeah. right, is mm-hmm. a great example where something which what society you know? uh, it says no, this is not good. You know, don't do this. Yeah, don't, and then then yeah. somebody comes along. See the difference is, uh, I think with KFC that goes beyond just a utility thing. Is, there is there are certain types of food, mm. right? Like say Indian food, which you cannot eat with your with a fork and spoon. Mm but still i have seen in the posh indian restaurants people feel compelled to try and eat mm, mm, mm. but the beauty of kfc is and because i think fast food a lot of these fast food american brands sort of democratize the product right mm. like like they say about coke this i think andy warhol said that Uh, the beauty of it is that the President of the United States and the beggar on the street gets the same same Coca-Cola, right? Similarly, with a fast food chain when you had to sort of go all over the place, Mm. you cannot have tiered experiences. So, the fact that they they absolutely gave you that license Mm. and you can only lick your fingers within KFC. The moment you come out, you are like, Mm -hmm. all prim and proper again. You wash
1: your hands before leaving.
2: (laughs) So, I think there is subconsciously a certain amount of liberation and the inner child in us Sort of is completely liberated enough to just be okay and it's beautiful because they own that environment. Mm-hmm. So, so you can only do that in their environment and then it's mm-hmm. okay. So yes. it's like that cool uncle who
1: tells you you can do it, okay. I won't tell your parents. Right. <laughs> right. So there's a, there's, a, there's a model called the SCARF model, have you guys heard of it? No. Uh, so SCARF stands for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness and fairness. Okay. Essentially, if you can identify your customer's behavior and map it onto one of these things, mm. then yeah. your customer thinks that they're having a good experience.
0: That's yeah. essentially
1: what's having, happening with the finger licking good. Is you have your autonomy right. and you have your relatedness. We know, uh, like we lick our fingers too, mm. right? And you have the autonomy to do it here. Okay. Okay. So that's that's how yeah. I like. So the, the interesting <laughs> thing is to
2: see whether finger licking was born as a result of that. Because you can now map it onto to some of one yeah, of these like cool yeah, sounding science yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. frameworks, right? But the thing is, whether it is born of that or not, which is why I was talking about the unconscious branding. I mean, politically, yeah. the satake, mm. right, the, the mustache, there are certain things which are branding, but those people are not branding consultants, they are not like great branding, but it comes naturally, naturally. to them. Mm. And then, of course, the secret to it is consistency. Mm. Even if your branding Style is Inconsistent that inconsistency Should become Your consistency yeah. Where say Even for example, down to a
0: style Of Pepsi Versus right, Coca-Cola yeah. Thought process yeah. yeah. Or
2: even a restaurant Now there is this guy um, uh, A chef Called Faran Adria Right He is uh, He run, He I don't know if The restaurant still exists It's called El Bully mm. Right The bull In mm. Spain The restaurant Is one of the most Exclusive in the world Because mm. um, It's open only Six months a year
1: Right,
2: and the other six months they are shut down, and the chefs uh, uh, and the entire team is basically coming up with the menu for the next year. Right,
0: next six months. For the
2: next six months, yeah, yeah, okay. And they charge prices that are enough to sort of keep them in business for the six months that they are shut down. Right. So every six months, people come to that restaurant for a completely Vimeo's new experience. experience. So that is and also they, part they of the. And they travel menu. the world,
0: and they yeah, they
2: they do. They find a particular ingredient. They will find so the one there is a documentary about it on Vimeo. The one that I watched, they were working with this with the element of ice hmm. and how ice goes into food. So I think the thing is consistency and focus, right, uh, becomes sort of very important so, that.
0: uh, so that's the breaking of consistency. So another restaurant example on so that's inconsistency becoming their their the, 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 the consist, inconsistency becoming their consistency. Another great uh, food example. of it. there's this. Uh, documentary on Netflix called uh, Giro dreams about sushi. Yes. Yeah, uh, it's it's purely on consistency. Mm. What they're saying is the, the sushi that you had five years ago from Zero's, and today essentially does not change if the same yeah. sushi is the same sushi. Yeah. Nothing about it is changed. Yeah. Like the fish is literally and the fish you have no control. Over, so they go and buy,
1: they have a very specific yeah. specification
0: yeah. on the fish. They have a very specific specification on how it's prepped. Mm. Yeah. Unless you are getting something, like, unless he's creating something new. and mm. Sushi is not what you call, like, you, you don't get madly creative with it. Like you Right. So this is very traditional way. sushi. There yeah. is no, so that is extremely consistent. So 30 years, 30 or 40 years as a chef. Yeah. And you have a two-year wait line.
2: Yeah. To
1: book a seat. seat, like seat yeah. and because
2: people, and yeah. again, it's there because, not just because that guy is a perfectionist but also people to a certain extent in certain environments we want that thing that is familiar to us right Mm -hmm. like the problem in Sri Lanka is if you go discover a new restaurant you had a great meal there Mm -hmm. and then you recommend Mm -hmm. it to a friend and that goes and has a horrible experience experience. and you're like I'm never recommending (laughs) a restaurant (laughs) again in my life because there's
1: so much pressure right it's loss aversion to a certain degree right? because you you go to a place for it not being shit as yeah. much as you
2: go for it being good. Correct. correct. No, no, to so so in, the, in the branding context that becomes uh, again so how much of it is deliberately done and how do you sort of put a framework where you have it happening over a period of timing regardless. So how did these brands get into our heads? How did Kat equate itself to the break in my head where I didn't grow up in an environment where I saw a lot of cricket advertising or the product for that matter. I mean, we had, and it was too expensive to buy. Expensive. Right. So in that environment, how did I still sort of, how did that sort of get into my head? Mm. So brands have a knack of getting into your head, which is why I think the smash the brand uh, sort of thing. So you've spoken about
0: visual color, shape, uh, language, so language yeah.
2: the, the, the whole language certain brands have a certain language starbucks has a certain language even a mcdonald's right mcdonald's may be a name but they have a mcnugget sure, and right. they have a mm. mac something else everything spicy. is a mac yes. spicy and the, big you know, mac. big yeah. mac so so you a brand owns certain words certain words brands sort of invest in so much mm. That they've even like sort of safeguarded it being uh, from it being used by competition,
1: etc. Red Bull gives you wings. Yeah. yeah. So,
2: so, you are, so so the things, basically, it, the, the the good thing about this approach is, it ge- gives you not just one way of getting into people's heads. Yeah. It gives you a sort of a multi-sensory uh, approach. Yeah, yeah. So, that even if someone doesn't see your logo, people, you can still get into someone's soul, into, mm. you know, that sort of framework of familiarity. Then, um... Uh, there is ritual, there is tradition, there is service. Tradition, you didn't miss. Are we about okay, tradition? So there is service. For example, there is a certain uh, if you if you go to demo and buy a Merck, mm. there is a certain sort of traditional yeah. way in which they would follow to sort of hand over the, the car, car to you, etc. Yeah, yeah. Right. So now that becomes sort of set in your mind. The same Merck is cheaper outside, etc., and all that. But that familiarity again with that place and that uh, and that product then becomes that much more entrenched in our minds. Correct. So, like Ferrari when,
1: does something very similar to uh, when you buy a car from Ferrari, mm. either you can buy the car for the amount and they'll have it delivered to you mm. or to a dealership near you where you can pick it up or they say you can spend X amount extra and have a tour of the factory. Oh, right. Mm. Okay. So essentially you're paying to take your own car home. <laughs> <laughs> in, other, in other words, yeah. <laughs>
2: So the other thing, I mean, in ritual, you will find this a lot, again, in the, in the beer brands. I think. Like, so, say, immediately when we think of Corona, I mean, these days, the Corona is probably a bad word, but <laughs> Corona is, Corona with that sort of, you know, the slice like lime the, slices, the yeah. lime slice into it, it, automatically sort of comes to mind, yeah. right? Um, or if you have a Guinness, mm. that whole thing
1: of the, the shape, fa- yeah,
2: yeah, and also um, Guinness had a famous campaign, good things come to those who wait, yeah. That's because you had to, from what I know, you had to sort of pour the Guinness and you had to wait for it to rise. Rise, So you can't immediately sort of chug Guinness. And from that was born the whole thing of good things come to those. Mm. Mm. So I think, so you will see, I think uh, the brand's communication Mm. and sort of the overall narrative has a lot of roots in where it actually comes from. Which is why they are able to own it that much better, the break, the finger licking. There were, you know, good even, things come to Even those the idea
1: way. of uh, breakfast is the most important meal of the day mm. comes from one of Sigmund Freud's nephew's, I think. Okay. Where he ran a whole campaign in the early nineteen hundreds-ish. Right. To because he was a marketing consultant for uh, a company that made bacon. Right. Yeah. So bacon and eggs mm. is yes. a thing breakfast. because of him, oh. and a heavy breakfast is a thing because of him. Oh. Right, right, right. Where, where uh, it's it like it Christmas. It? Uh, I can't remember where I read it.
0: That that's a, that must be a, that's a, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, but like the the so I, uh, I, uh these these really interesting stories about brands being so like. Uh, do you know where the the recently I posted it saying uh, you know where casual Fridays come from? Mm. It, it's so it was originally Aloha Fridays. Okay. Uh, in the nineteen fifties, the. Hawaiians decided to wear hula shirts, like okay. those Hawaiian shirts, to yeah. work to promote culture. All
2: oh, right.
0: On Fridays. Yeah. Okay. And uh, forty fifty years down the line, he sarong too. <laughs> no, before uh, <laughs> device and dockers yeah, picked yeah, it up. Yeah. Yeah. So existing yeah. because it it got famous in California and yeah. those uh, eastern uh, seaboard states. Sure. And uh, east state. the east coast states. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, Device and doctors has appropriated it afterwards mm. saying okay fine if they are doing it already mm. let me plug yes. myself into yeah. the thing and they yeah. pick the top we have a
1: choice with the bottom <laughs> <see>.
2: <laughs> No. so the thing is that's why I would say the um, summa obviously you can any behavior can be taught
1: yeah right
2: mm. I mean as long I've, as I've heard this story, I've, I've, yeah, the story yeah I've heard the yeah. story about so when you take think of Panadol you take two Panadols yeah. right? mm. Though I don't know. This is just a story, and I'm I mean completely uh, sort of Must wrong be. here, yeah. right? Uh, that it was a sales thing to double sales. Like Must one be. is enough, uh, yeah. But but they said don't take it two too much. That's <laughs> the easiest way to double it's, double sales it, and gone, consumption.
1: So from from the the newer studies in behavioral science, uh, I've, I've there's there's a bit of a debate going on whether a human really needs seven or eight hours of sleep a day. Yeah, correct. Because when you wake up in the morning, you see that you haven't got seven hours, you feel tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't know if that's because you actually need seven hours seven or hours because you feel time. Yeah. So everything is, is, is a sense of programming, right? Mm, yeah, I
2: mean, yeah. the toothpaste commercials will show you that you need this much of toothpaste yeah, on your toothbrush. Yeah. So all our behavior, a lot of our behavior actually has been dictated in this, I think, essentially by, by brands and you know, certain products. So talking about breakfast as a famous breakfast at Tiffany's sort of connection, mm. Tiffany's, the jeweler, which recently got bought over, uh, Tiffany's, their it's a luxury brand, right? it's mm-hmm. a jewel. So, the most famous aspect of their brand is a little uh, Tiffany's box, mm-hmm. right? It's a little jewelry box. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it has a particular uh, robin egg blue, which mm-hmm. is patented, right? Uh, and uh, it is, uh, through research, it's been shown that women's hearts beat 20 times, uh, 20% faster. Okay. When they see that box. Because they expect that to be like a Tiffany's engagement dream. <laughs> right? And it's nothing. It's, it doesn't even have... I mean, you don't even have to see the logo. It's just that box. Right. And there's a massive scramble on the net to try and get your hands on a Tiffany's box. Mm. Just the box. Yeah. Because people have been known to buy stuff from elsewhere and put it in a Tiffany's box. <laughs> right? But the Tiffany's legal team is constantly on the lookout to make sure that it's not freely available on like an eBay or anywhere else.
1: Sure.
2: Because... The guy who mm-hmm. founded it even, he's made sure that you only get the product if you buy some. If you get the box,
1: mm-hmm. Otherwise, you buy so something froms writing of your brand equity. Right? Correct,
2: yeah, correct. Yeah. So they have sort of closely guarded. It's just a box. I mean, the box itself, the the physical value of the box is the is the perceived value that mm-hmm. is very high. Mm-hmm. So badge value, perceived value, these are things which there's we ascribe
1: to. I I think there's a there's the value of giving something to someone, and yeah. there's the transactional value that comes of just purchasing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Move in giving it to somebody. Okay. So uh, the other thing I I I, mm-hmm. I always so this is a because we are talking about uh, branding and structures. This this is a tool I use. It's not a tool. Mm-hmm. It's a simple thing I always do whenever whenever I pick up a brand uh, a new. I always uh, go to about 20-30 consumers and I, I I I get them. Okay. If I say. X brand mm. tell me what you remember, what you think about it and all that, or I get them to write it or write it down or, or describe it or whatever. Mm. So there is there is a there is a hierarchical memory structure that mm. I write down. Sure. Okay. That memory structure spans from the logo, the pack color, the pack, the product, the what what kind of taste that comes out of the product and what kind of benefit that you get and From those very core things to the brand Mm. to uh, the last commercial had this kind of feel. It's about uh, people being together, etc, etc. So there's this long list of structures because brands are memories and memory structures, right? Long list of memories. What a good brand manager or a communication specialist must do is always... Because these are assets that are being built over mm. multitude of years and a lot of investment. Mm. You need to gradually build on each of these assets. Mm. If you are adding something new to it, you need to really contemplate that decision. Yeah. Because if you take that amount of money and yeah, that amount of effort to build, yeah. it, to build it to that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think basis what you just said about uh, branding it's one big thing that came out of it is as consistency is very critical. Mm. There's no one way of doing this. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the spectrum is very vast. Correct. Uh, and from my point of view, it's very important that you never the decision to change a brand or change a color in a brand or make a change to the pack. Yeah. Everyone thinks like, OK, relaunching a brand is easy when like, it's cool where yeah. you just change around the plaque and people will rush to buy it yeah. no it's not it's a very very you need to really think about it and make sure that you don't muck You're, around with yeah, it because yeah, people yeah. will not recognize yeah. it the familiarity will be gone and people to will recognize what,
1: it. whatever people say are the distinct brand assets yeah. you have to bring them over into the new packaging exactly. just frame it in a relatively yeah. and, and, and sometimes
2: it's, it's sometimes it's just see sometimes the thing becomes the subject becomes sort of uh, over intellectualized because it has to give branding consultants and branding agencies sort of their own to do, right? right. <laughs> but like I remember when I was working on a, a hair dye product right for about 4-5 years ago and that comes from a multinational company so it's, it's an international brand uh, and it's biggest competition in the market is this local brand called Amin mm. hair dye mm. you, can, you can find this even today uh, that's the most highest sold It's a bit was, I think, if I remember right, it was a little bit more expensive than even the the international brand. But it has the same shot of a woman used on it for like the last, I think, five decades. Right. No improvement, no glossy print, no big pack changes. Absolutely nothing. Mm. It's just been there. Obviously, the product is good Mm. for sure. uh, Or does its job. And uh, they were just trying to unseat it with all these Uh, nine uh, ingredients Mm -hmm. and the nine ingredients go into this and we shot commercials in India and all that. But I still go to the market. (laughs) Means is still there. I've never seen an ad. Never a DJ endorsement or anything. But it's there. Those who know it, know it, go in and buy it and you know, it does the job Mm -hmm. for them. So sometimes I think when we think of great brands or big brands, we think of the ones that again we are trained to think are the big brands. Mm -hmm. There are lots of others that have survived Mm -hmm. in the market over a period of time Mm -hmm. by doing... By by being, being consistent, consistent. Um, see, and I think if you are realistic, some brands that are very good at innovating, like say Nike, etc., that are constantly innovating, mm. you can do that if you've got the the capacity
1: for. Mm. Correct. Mm. If you don't, don't. Then don't. <laughs> exactly. They don't. Yeah. I completely agree on yeah. that.
2: Yeah. So I think uh, the thing is, though, like you said, me from a, I think a practical point is a lot of people who want to come onto a brand want to leave their mark on the brand.
0: Correct. Which is one of the most detrimental things you can... So then
2: then it becomes about you and your mark on the brand. But it's a very short term thing. You will do it for a year, two years and then you bugger off. But the brand is either permanently enhanced or permanently damaged
0: Mm. as a result of that. Which is one thing I always say. Remember, if you you can pick up ten, like the five things that your previous brand manager, the previous brand manager, two brand managers before, didn't make it better That says more it. about you yeah. than you Coming completely up with come something, with something new. new.
2: Yeah. yeah, and try to build on. Because sometimes it's like a selection process, right? You mm-hmm. try something, you try one of the cricketers for a match or two, this but doesn't work, mm-hmm. we'll keep switching. So, sometimes it's good. Yeah. Like again, if all of this, if everything works, then it's good. If yeah. it doesn't work, it's bad, yeah. right? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think, so, so, essentially the crux of what I try to teach the guys is about uh, removing yourself from a logocentric mentality. Because mm. your logo, and especially today in the in the, in the the sort of a world where your visual real estate is shrinking, mm. right? Your visual your hoardings and all those things don't sort of exist in the same way, which is why brands like Mastercard have launched a sonic brand, mm. right? They've gone into serious research and launched a sonic brand where it's more than just a signature tune. There is a signature tune also, but there is also, uh, I think it was unveiled uh, last year, where well, there's a signature sound that happens every time a Mastercard uh, is used, okay. right?
0: That mm-hmm. was Pentagram. Did that, right? Pentagram did yeah. that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pentagram did the visual identity part, but the sonic identity part was done by someone else. Okay. Um, so brands are now like, so they are now talking about things like touch. Mm. Like touch is a very very mm. big yeah. tactile sensation. Yeah. We immediately remember right how soft or rough you know,
1: yeah. whatever place felt. Yeah, like even more. Apple did
0: it like really well for a long yeah. time. Yeah. So
1: now they've gone into the haptic touch, right? Haptic touch is yeah. the new one. Yeah, correct. correct. So right. it, there is no actual motion, mm. but it feels like you're pressing a button. Yeah. 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 So, I, anyway, I think the. Uh, it's a feedback loop. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's
2: essentially this idea. So, again, why do we. Uh, so, there is, I think, another big thing that I sort of see about brands is people are ready to forgive strong brands. For mistakes they make. Absolutely. But they will never forgive. Weak brands for mistakes. mistakes. I think. And yeah. politics. I think is a That's, good place. To learn. Yeah. How that works. Yeah, right? yeah. There are a lot of brands. That mess up. And people are ready to sort of. It's forgive, okay, Forget yeah. okay. We yeah. move on. But someone else. Could be doing the. Right thing. Yeah. Or what is perceived as the right thing. But if your brand is weak. And you make one mistake, you will just like be completely uh, off, This know? happened
0: to Maggie in India for a long time. Like there was this massive pullback of Maggie, but like people were saying, it's okay, it's the brand that we, we like the taste, it's the brand that we've grown Correct. up with, it's okay, like, okay, they made a mock they recall, they come yeah. back and we are. It goes back <laughs> to the,
2: again, it's like people, right? If you've had a good relationship with someone and if you've not <laughs> made that person feel like a visa shit, <laughs> that person will likely forgive you. It's about how many points you have
1: yeah, scored yeah. with that person yeah. or what sort of you know, credibility you But have you meet there. someone for the first time and they're, they're a piece of shit to you. Then yeah, you know, then you much, are less, less likely to. Yeah.
2: Or, or if someone, again, and if we, I like to draw this completely out of, out of um, the commercial brand world into the political world or the social world where we have look up to people. If there is a particular leader, mm-hmm. right, who has made others feel not as smart or or, or uh, had like a condescending relationship, people will say, you know, you don't understand the level mm-hmm. I which which I operate, my vision, etc. Then over a period of time people will follow you and then say at one point, you know, you know what? I, I hate this feeling of mm-hmm. inferiority. Yeah. Right? Versus someone else who comes and sort of acts as the same level, it's like a peer-to-peer relationship. There is there is no big history. <laughs> yeah. I mean <laughs> just think of the two brands sort of archetypes, yeah, right? Yeah. And another person has, there's no great big mystery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That pro- person also probably is the same, yeah. but he de- sort of has a better equation with you. Then you're ready to forgive or you're ready to relate to that kind of a person. It's like our relationship with teachers in school, right? A te- you will never forget a teacher who made you feel really good or nor will you ever forget a teacher who no, made you feel really, really, really yeah. like a shit, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it goes back to how people will never forget how you- someone made them feel. Our brand made me feel, mm-hmm. right? I don't know if they have told this story. I, I went into a, uh, a Rolex store in Singapore once. And I had this one particular Rolex watch that I've always liked, the Rolex Chelini. And I was in a pair of shorts, just like slippers and just like a Hadoo look. And I walked into this store and I was asked, okay, can I see the Rolex Chalini? And she showed it to me in the, sort of in the display. And I, I asked the price and the price just went through over my head, right? You know? And anyway, I just wanted to see it and i turned to i said thanks and i turned to leave now this girl probably knew i was not going to buy the watch that way. but she asked me would you like to feel it on your wrist
0: <laughs>
2: right right i was like wow like here i go into like bata and those guys look at me bad like you know you're not going to buy something right and they like give you that look <laughs> this girl didn't have to do that mm. but she like took the effort unlocked the thing took the watch out and she actually yeah, I'm sure they me are they wrist. are taught like they are because i think also, not it's not just because she was being nice. Because she knew that though I was dressed like that, potentially I could have the money to buy it. You sure, because there could be a guy who is dressed like that and still have the money to buy it. Yeah, which Sri Lankans are not trained to think. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like
0: uh, so. I mean, oh, never potentially open oh, like Rolex is one of those brands that start early and build up for over yeah, long periods yeah. of time. Potentially, in another 20 years, you will have money
2: Exactly. So I will never forget how
1: the brand made me feel. They they primed you already. You know what it feels like. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) More
2: than that. It's just the brand didn't (laughs) made me feel like, you know, you're you're a Mm -hmm. pauper, you Mm -hmm. can't afford this, Mm -hmm. right? So I will never forget that feeling. Regardless of whether I buy the... And I will share this with a number of people. (laughs) and I will tell them. So I think it goes back to how brands made us feel. Mm -hmm. If it made you feel very special, it made you feel like absolutely shitty you are most likely to remember that so the emotion that brands make how, how we make people feel I think is a big part of that memory because you can have the memory which is that thing but what that memory is like right like I said you will never forget someone who made you feel on top of the world or made you feel like you're absolutely you know bottom of the barrel yeah right.
1: so, so I think, yeah, there's, there's been a study done on that as well in any collection of memory if the peak and the end are good, then everything in between doesn't matter. No. Oh, okay. It's crazy how it's, it's so easy to. Yeah. No, it's no like, I, don't it's think, like I don't think
0: it's, it's easy. It's just, yeah. it's, it's good to know those two things. Yeah, I don't okay. think it's the, the, the. Very hard. Correcting, hard. Yeah, connecting
1: out what is a peak and what is an end in a memory mm-hmm. structure is very tough. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that
0: was a fantastic conversation. Yeah. I think that's a very uh, deep, like what do you call it, <laughs> a rich conversation where. It's interesting. I mean, like it, it's sparking off things in my head as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks, Rala. Uh, thanks for thanks coming for again. Thanks for having us. Please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank me. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, good chat. I mean,
2: uh, again, I have to say this. Uh, yeah. I am only teaching branding mm-hmm. and identity, not because I, uh, not because I am the best person to teach it, but because there are very few people uh, around. Who, uh,
1: but no, the but practitioners, I, I, think, are, I think, I think you are, are a lot a very of good practitioners. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I am not. I just like to open people's minds into. Like looking at things There is a There are other things That you could do too mm. But the practitioners Who do it are, are here and out there You know Those are the guys So I don't want anyone to I always try to correct no, I, that I'm not, That's not the reason I'm teaching Because I'm really I, good I, I, but I think Relson
0: does. Is a good enough practitioner I mean he's been Doing it for a long enough time And I think he's Probably one of the best people You can learn f- About this from Anyway cool. uh, Thanks guys And uh, we'll see you Next week yeah. Next week for sure. Okay sure. Thanks
1: Субтитры сделал